On this episode of the Our View podcast, I welcome my guest, Abigail Brown. Abigail shares her story of what it's like to live with secondary dystonia and what it is like to use a communication device. We talk about our favorite documentaries and our favorite songs. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Let's get into it. I would like to welcome everyone back to another episode of the Our View podcast, where we aim to educate, raise awareness, and change the tone of conversation about disabilities. Today, I am happy to welcome my guest, Abigail Brown, to the podcast today, and I am really looking forward to our conversation. (laughs) So um, to get started, and um, can you... uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself and can you tell us um, about secondary dystonia and how it impacts your life and also um, about the uh, technology that you use to communicate? Hello everyone. First, I want to thank Arthur for giving me this opportunity to share my story. I'm so excited to be talking with you. As Arthur mentioned, My name is Abigail Brown, and I have been living with dystonia for 26 years. I'm from Stillwater, Oklahoma. I have wonderful parents and three loving sisters. I'm 29 years old and the second oldest in my family. I am a writer, artist, and part-time social media assistant. I enjoy spending time with friends and family. I enjoy shopping drinking coffee, and listening to music, podcasts, and audiobooks. At the age of three, I suffered from an undiagnosed case of Rocky Mountain's body fever, which caused brain damage. The brain damage robbed me of the ability to speak, walk, and use my hands. The doctor told my parents that I would recover within a year, but that hope proved false. After many years of physical and occupational and therefore a while speech therapy, I did relearn how to walk and regain the use of my left hand, but my ability to speak verbally has never returned. When I was five years old, my parents discovered that the brain trauma I experienced led to the development of dystonia, a condition which is a neurological movement disorder meaning my muscles move involuntarily. There are several types of dystonia. It can affect one general part of the body, but it can also affect several parts of the body. For me, the type of dystonia I have is called secondary dystonia, which develops mainly as the result of environmental factors that provide insult to the brain, like the brain trauma I experienced. Currently, there is no cure for dystonia. Though I have undergone numerous surgeries and procedures, it will alleviate some of the more painful and debilitating symptoms. For example, one of the treatments that helps the most is Botox injections. I get around 30 Botox injections every two months. So I can function better. And yes, it does hurt when I get them. I have been getting 
Botox for 15 years, and every time I get my injections, I thank God. Not only for the strength he gives me to endure the injections, but also because there are several people living with dystonia that aren't able to find a doctor or to get the treatment they desperately need. I am blessed to have a doctor who understands what I have and knows how to help. As a preteen, I became interested in learning what I had. At that time, it affected my mouth, tongue, jaw, neck, back, right arm and hand, and my right leg, and ankle, and toes. When I was 16, it progressed to my eyes, causing me to have eye spasms, which was something that was hard to get used to, because I communicated with an AAC device, and typing became even slower as my eyes kept squinting. It was definitely an adjustment, but I learned how to adapt. In 2015, I noticed my left hand, which is my good hand. It started to lose some dexterity. Right now, my left hand is 20% dexterity, meaning I do everything I can do with my pointer finger and thumb. I am able to take care of all my personal care. Some days, that's all my body can do, because doing those seemingly simple tasks is like running a marathon. I am able to feed myself. Eating and drinking can be tough at times. For example, on a good day, I can eat lunch in 35 minutes or less. On a bad day, when my muscles are really tight, I can eat in 45 minutes or more. Yet I am grateful for the strength God gives me each day. Also, I am unable to drive, which has taken years for me to accept. And there are still times when I struggle not being able to drive myself places. But when I step back and look at the big picture of my life, not being able to drive is just one of the few things I can do. When I focus on the many things I can do, it helps my perspective. I live with my parents and they help me take medicine and cut up my food and drive me places. I'm grateful for their love, patience, and support throughout the years. I'm very thankful for the independence I still have. In the mornings, I've made it a point to turn on encouraging music to get my mind on right things. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have encouraging music in my life. Using technology to communicate became my new normal at age four. I began communicating with a chat box an AAC device produced by Print Key, Rome, Mitch Company, with up to 64 pictures that I could point to. My parents recorded appropriate expressions, which were activated by my touch. Now I can say I'm hungry and other basic wants and needs. Pretty soon, it became apparent that I would not talk again and since my intellectual abilities were quite intact, I needed a more effective way to communicate my many thoughts. My parents were given a free communication device produced by Print Key, Rome, Mitch Company, that used a language system called MinSpeak. MinSpeak uses icons, like a picture of a girl pointing to herself a picture of a wanted sign and a picture of an apple.
meant I wanted to eat. I was able to memorize the language quickly. A good word to sum up learning to communicate with others is patience. Not only for me, as I learned the language system on the communication device, slowly typing everything out with my pointer finger, but also for the person I was communicating with. Growing up, I had four EAC devices that gave me the ability to speak to others. But now, I use an app on my iPhone called ProLoco to go, and it's what I'm communicating with today. I typed everything out with my left thumb and copied and pasted each answer in a folder with several individual buttons. I am so thankful for the technology in my life. I remember watching this YouTube documentary as a teenager about four non-speaking adults in their lives. They used the AAC devices I grew up using. Plus the inventor of the language system is on there and explains how he came up with it. Sadly, he passed away in 2020. I will be forever grateful for Bruce Baker for inventing a device that me and many others have used to communicate. The documentary is called Only God Can Hear Me. You may want to watch it with a box of tissues. When I watched this documentary for the first time, it gave me hope to see other people who were not speaking keep going when it wasn't easy. It also helped me see I wasn't the only one that communicated with an AAC device. Is there a movie or documentary that you've watched that has inspired or moved you? But that is a great question. Um, and I am so excited to answer it because I thought of uh, so many in that brief moment there. Um, but one I would have to say uh, that I've watched in recent years is called Take a Look at This Heart, which is um, uh, created by Ben Duffy, who he was on the podcast uh, last season, I believe. And it's pretty much um, all about um, people with disabilities being in relationships and having relationships with people, with other people. And um it's, I think, similar to what you just said about the uh, documentary that you saw, seeing people like yourself who use the AAC devices. Um, so seeing documentaries and seeing films um, that show people who look like us with disabilities is uh, always a, a great thing. Crip Camp is oh. another uh, uh, movie, a documentary that I uh, recently watched uh, within the last few years. I forget what year it came out. But uh, Crip Camp was one of those uh, films as well to see the um, the the trip to see the um, the journey that they have taken uh, in the world of disability rights and wanting to achieve uh, disability rights here in the United States. So, thank you for that question. I really uh, loved it. And <clears throat> and from what you said uh in your answer i i really was able to pick up on a few things that um i can relate to which is your faith in god that is uh seemed to be a really big thing in your answer and uh being thankful mm -hmm. to god that you're um you know that you're able to get the botox treatments mm -hmm. that is uh 
something mm -hmm. that a lot of people may see as, uh, you know, something small, but um, they help you, the treatments help you and, and being, uh, being able to have access to uh, a doctor who has those treatments for you is a really big thing. And also your love of music really uh, struck me. I, I really love music. I listen to music at least, at least twice a day in the morning and usually right before I go to bed. Um, a lot of times it's why I can't go to bed because I listen to a lot of fast music. <laughs> Do you have a favorite song right now? Uh, do I have a favorite song right now? Um, it, it's not a current song that's, you know, that's anything new. <laughs> But I would say, um, I always go between these two songs, either it's called Joy Inside My Tears by, C by Stevie Wonder, or You Are My Friend by Patti LaBelle. And the songs are um, pretty old. I believe both of them are from the uh, 1980s or 70s. <laughs> I usually have my favorites on repeat. Yes, those are definitely two songs that stay on repeat for me as well. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Music is uh, very important to me in my life. So I, I relate it to you uh, mentioning that in your answer. <laughs> yes. Healing. I totally agree with you. It is definitely healing for me. Um, brings out a lot of a lot of emotions. Um, all of the emotions, I should say. <laughs> happy, happy, sad, you know, all of the emotions. <laughs> So, um, yeah, but, um, so thank you so much for sharing all of, um, all of that about dystonia. Um, I, I really am one, I'm a person who believes that, um, we really start changing the tone of conversation and start changing the way people view those who live with disabilities by talking about them and educating people mm -hmm. about them. So all of that, um, information you shared is, um, very helpful and, and I even learned a few things in, in uh, listening to your answer. So the next question I have, which is something you um, touched on a little bit in your first answer is that you're a writer, uh, which I also find very healing for me as well and uh, very therapeutic. So can you share with us, um, can you share with us how you use writing and your art to bring hope to yourself and to others? Writing has helped me process what I've experienced and what I have learned throughout my life. When I was growing up, I wanted to be a writer, speaker, and author. I remember setting up and starting my blog as a 19-year-old, thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know I want to encourage and share my story with others. I also wanted people in my life to understand what I'm living with and how the Lord has helped me through it all. When I look back at the first year I started writing on my blog, I remember receiving an email from a lady who had dystonia and she came across my blog and she could resonate with what I was sharing. I was so excited because that was my first interaction with a person who had the same condition as I do. Currently, I'm in the process of writing a book about moving from resentment to resilience while living with dystonia. In the past 10 years, I've also started my small business 
called Silent Inspirations. I started this business to encourage others through my art. I sell note cards with my artwork printed on them. I also sell my originals and reproductions of my paintings. I have been painting with acrylics mostly. Recently though, I've started helping new Christian authors that aren't tech savvy with their social media platforms and creating digital content for them. I'm really excited about this new venture in my life. I told my life coach when I was considering becoming a virtual assistant that, while I'm uncertain about many things that go along with this type of job, I've learned living with a disability, I don't know what a day may bring, so why should this be any different? I know I can't always rely on my body to cooperate the way I'd like. And knowing that is an advantage I have. But I was also believing a narrative that people wouldn't hire me because I'm disabled. And being rejected scared me. But being rejected is a part of life sometimes. It may or may not happen. A lot I have to do is show up and share how I can help. I. I just love so much of what you said. <laughs> I, I really do. Um, definitely looking forward to your book. I love the title, um, Moving from Resentment to Resilience. I think that is a great, great title. Um, I, I loved what you said, your honesty in um, talking about the fear of rejection for being hired as someone with a disability. And and coming to the realization that, you know, rejection is a part of life sometimes. It, it's not always though. It can happen and it may not happen. So um, have, having that um, realization is, is really, uh, can be life-changing for sure. Cause I, I understand that um, for myself as well, having the fear of rejection and being hired at a certain job and being rejected. <laughs> Uh, from a lot of places I applied to and interviewed for, it um, can be challenging. It can bring you down a little bit. So to stick with it and um, the fact that you found something that you are passionate about and helping uh, Christian artists, authors, um, you know, handle their social media platforms now, that's, uh, that's really great. <laughs> so um, I, I know you've you've talked a, a lot about um, your secondary dystonia diagnosis already, um, but can you share with us um, what you have found to be the most challenging part for you living with the uh, dystonia diagnosis? You ask really good questions. <laughs> this question made me think about what has been challenging to me living with dystonia. When it comes down to it, learning to communicate with others is one of the most challenging things. It will be a lifelong challenge in a ways because I'm still learning how to express and articulate my thoughts and opinions while having emotions. As much as I am thankful for the advances of technology, I can't cry and talk like others can. Plus, there are times when I get tired of typing out everything I want to say. As an unspeaking person, using technology will always be the way I communicate. That's just reality. Imagine if you had to text everything out with just your thumb. Being aware that it gets tiresome to communicate helps me know when to take breaks. 
It gets very frustrating to communicate, especially when my teeth are gritty and my eyes are squinting uncontrollably. In those times of tightness, I've learned to let the person I'm talking to at church know I'm tight today, so right now might not be a good time to chat. I can text you later though. And they are always understanding. I used to get frustrated with myself when I couldn't remember how to spell a word. But I'm learning to give myself grace when that happens. Growing up, my parents taught me to be welcoming and to initiate conversations with others to put them at ease. At first, it was really hard, but over time, it got easier. And now I can confidently start a conversation. I'm very thankful for the many different relationships I have in my life. I also wrote a personal pamphlet sharing my story. It's called, I Can Smile Because. I wrote it because I realized almost any time we went anywhere, people would ask questions about what I had or say, you have such a beautiful smile. And sometimes my parents didn't have time to explain. That's why I decided to write the pamphlet so I can be the one answering the questions. Now, every time I'm shopping or eating with a friend, I have them in my purse to share with people in case they have questions or they notice something's different and yet continue to stare. In what ways have you learned to not worry about others staring? Does it still bother you? Ah, you said I ask good questions. You ask good questions too. <laughs> uh, let's let's think about this and let's be honest about this answer. Um, do hmm, how have I learned not to worry about people staring? And does it still bother me? Um, I I just have to say. Um, I think very similarly to what you said about your parents mm -hmm. and how they, um, you know, showed you how to, um, you know, to how mm -hmm. to talk to people and, and smile at people. And, and um, mm -hmm. you know, I think my parents taught me that same thing. So if I notice someone staring, um, even with children, I, I know that, you know, my wheelchair might look different to them mm -hmm. or my crutches might look different to them. I try to start a conversation. Um, I try to, um, you know, ease their discomfort and their uneasiness because um, it, it can be very awkward, I think, for people <laughs> um, because they don't know. They're, they're not familiar with uh, seeing too many people uh, in wheelchairs or using crutches. So, um, you know, just to, to open up that conversation and let them know that it's okay to talk to me. Um, and does it still bother me? Um, I can honestly say it does not bother me. Um, it's really, uh, again, I try to make it an educational thing. I try to educate people and, and tell them, you know, I'm okay. I have to use a wheelchair. I have to use crutches, but I'm, I'm okay. And um, just getting to know me um, beyond the, the, what they see, beyond the disability, beyond the crutches, the wheelchair oh. is, um, 
you know, is how I really try to approach those, uh, those situations whenever they, you know, whenever they happen. But I, um, I, I love what you said and, and being honest about when you're having a tough day and you, you know, you have to type mm-hmm. out everything and sometimes it gets tiring for you and just being honest with people and saying, you know, today's a rough day. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, can we talk a little bit later? Can we talk tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's important for for everybody to to realize that you know it's not um that that it's okay to have a a rough day to have a tough day and to say you know i need to take a break i need to chill for a minute uh can we uh continue this conversation later so i uh really appreciated that um the honesty in in which you shared that but um yeah that's a good question thank you for asking that question to me i I appreciated it (laughs) So um, this last question um, is a really big one. I'm trying to switch it up with uh, my questions here uh, on the podcast a little bit to just make it a little bit more entertaining and interesting. So the last question I have for you is, if you won $10 million tomorrow, what would you spend it on? Oh my, when I first saw this question, I immediately knew what I would do with it. I'd get a self-driving car and have a small home built. Then after that, I'd divide it all up and give some to the Dystonia Foundation and to some missionary families I know. And then I'd take my family on a cruise. How would you spend $10 million if you wanted to grow? <laughs> I I love that you would get a self-driving car. I think those are so cool. I have not been in uh in one yet. Uh, Tesla makes them, I think. Um yeah, that that is so cool. And a, and a small home. I love that you said a small home. Um because if I won 10 million dollars, I'd build a big home. <laughs> <laughs> And and that gets uh, that can be a little challenging because you know when you have a lot of space, a lot of people might want to move in with you. Um, so that's not why I'm building the big home. I just would like a lot of space um, and to have people come visit. Yes, but not permanent uh, people to live in. Not too many. Um, you know, so I would do that, and then I would also. Um, similar to to you about taking your family on a cruise i would love to um take my family on a nice trip somewhere possibly a few different trips on a cruise would be one of them i've always wanted to do a trip uh a cruise to alaska so i would i would do that and uh you know take some people with me and i've also wanted always wanted to go to hawaii so i would um you know possibly take a few people on on a few trips because I, uh, I love to travel. And um, also I would um, probably, because uh, my, my home's going to be big, but it's not going to be $10 million big. Uh, so I'd still have a lot of money left over after I built the big house. <laughs> so I think um, going, going back to what we originally were talking about with music, I think I would get a bunch of... Um, a bunch of gift cards for Ticketmaster so I could buy concert tickets. So that's what I would do with uh, $10 million uh, if, if I want it t- tomorrow. 
Abigail, this has been a great conversation with you. I really, um, really appreciate you uh, sharing with us your journey, your story of um, living with secondary dystonia and uh, how it impacts you. And also um, the, the great um, advancements in technology that have um, come such a long way that now you're able to use an app on your phone to um, write out your answers and to communicate with people like that is that's so great to know and um, I really uh, am grateful that you uh, have shared all of this information with us and I'm looking forward to um, sharing this episode with everyone and before we go can you share um, where people can follow you on social media how they can get in touch with you your listeners can follow me on Facebook Instagram, and TikTok, at Abigail Brown Writes. They will find links to my blog and note cards in the link in my bio. Thank you once again for this opportunity to share my story. This was great. And uh, Abigail Brown Writes is uh, your Instagram. I love, um, I, I love you posted a, a Reels, I think it was maybe last month or so um, that I saw with, or might've, I don't even know, the days just mm -hmm. blend all together, but it was showing some of your, your artwork and stuff. And um, it's just, it's really great what you're doing. And uh, I really find that, um, you know, art in any form, whether it's writing um, or drawing or painting, um, however people choose to express themselves through art is always um, very special and can be very healing for people. So uh, definitely everybody go follow Abigail. And um, I look forward to talking with you again soon. And um, I will definitely be in touch. So I hope you have a great rest of your day and take care. <laughs> this concludes this episode of the Our View podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on all social media platforms at Our View for Life. That's O-U-R-V-I-E-W, the number four, L-I-F-E. If you have a topic or a person, or if you are a person who would like to be interviewed for an upcoming episode of the podcast, send us a DM on Instagram, send us a message on Facebook, or you can email me at ourviewforlife at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.